All right. Well, today I really wanted to talk to you, Steve, about the topic of being indecisive because I have a lot of clients who say that they're feeling indecisive. How about you? Same. Yeah, I actually am excited, oddly excited about the topic because I think there's so much change and uncertainty going on that's part of it. But uh, yeah, I think that's also it's common that we don't have a framework for decision making. Mm-hmm. It's just yes. kind of expected that you learn how at some point. Yeah. And do, don't you feel like that some people are like kind of more naturally good at it? Yeah, it's that's kind of what you hear is like, yeah. I'm either I'm good at decision <laughs> yeah. making, I'm decisive or I'm indecisive. So what, you're screwed if you're just not? If you're indecisive, yeah, you're yeah, just, right. you're ruined forever. Right. But. So, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, great, they're just going to talk about being indecisive. I just want you to know that I'm going to give you five key things actually to help you start moving into being. Oh, more and these indecisive. are good. So. These are good ones, folks. I mean, I really, I am naturally very, very indecisive. I overthink things, I overanalyze. And I mean, becoming, you know, the owner of a business every day, there's all kinds of decisions. I've really, some of the things we're about to talk about. I have completely transformed through some of these things. Mm-hmm. It's like it you can become more decisive. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily you easy can. or natural for me, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more um a lot of the things have become a lot more natural for me to do. Yeah. Okay, so obviously the reason this is coming up because you and I do a lot of corporate coaching, right? So in the corporate culture, the way people move up the ladder is is by becoming more decisive. Like right. you have to be a good decision maker to 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 grow. And it's like a core competency, right? Right. So that's an obvious place. It plays out at work. So what are other places though that decision making plays out in? Well, one we've been talking about around the office, I think kind of for all year type of thing is um, in friends situations mm-hmm. because... Uh, there's maybe two scenarios we've talked about. One is just with everything that's been going on, there's always this changing environment of like, should I do this or that? You know, what's mm-hmm. the right way to approach a situation? But also there's just the normal friend situation where someone invites you to do something and maybe you don't want to do it or you have a conflict. And how do you deal with that? And I think for a lot of people, our go-to is to kind of lie or make something up and just dig ourselves a bigger ditch. So mm-hmm. um, how to just deal with that and make a decision and be confident in it mm-hmm. and just kind of be honest and mm-hmm. um, respectful too. So that's something we've been talking about around the office that I think is actually an interesting area of decision making. Mm-hmm. In relationships. I, I would say at home, it really plays out for me. Mm. I, if, and of course, we could go down a total rabbit trail here, which we will not <laughs> mm-hmm. around the, the Myers-Briggs two letters of the J and the P because and it is another it is another podcast that I do talk about this. But J's like decisions made, P's like options open. So that's a whole thing too, is like P's are like ideas, ideas, ideas. J's are like, for God's sake, someone decide. Uh, so I live in a home with two P's. Uh-huh. I am closer to the J line, but we both are like so many options that we're like, I'm exhausted now. No one's decided anything. Yes. Ugh. And it's, it's, but so, so it plays out in our home. Yeah. You said relationships. Another one there is um, spending, money, oh, shopping. Yeah. Okay. We sure. were trying to buy plane tickets the other night. It's a three hour endeavor in our house. <laughs> this cannot happen. We're exhausted. Yeah. Or, you know, I know a few people in my life who, Oh, they they're excited to go to the store to shop for something and then they come home beat and exhausted because of all the decisions that had to be yeah, made. Right. So um actually I'm I have a very clear line with my husband about something. I I told him we will never, ever, ever, do you hear me? 
build a house together. Oh, wise. Our marriage will be over. 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 Yeah. Because it will take years to just pick the dishwasher or a handle. Oh, yeah. And don't even start me on these planned neighborhoods. We we know someone, Ryan, if you're listening, who just built a house in one of these where you had to choose not just the dishwasher, the color of the trim. You had to choose this handle and that handle. And every, I mean, there were thousands of decisions. And I just, I looked at him. I was like, that never would have happened for us. That sounds like a dream come true to me. I'm like, give me all the decisions. I will make them in an hour. I could honestly, I could probably build a custom house. While y'all are doing this podcast, no, because I know exactly what I want, right? And that's but then the, that would just be my that yeah. would be just my opinion. So it's hard, like, because I live with a P. In. My husband is a P. Which there are right. business opportunities yeah. in this, Jacqueline. There really, are. we last night at home we talked about hiring you to plan <laughs> our vacation Done. coming Done. up. Yeah. Oh my god, I really it's overwhelming would. to even think. I about. like to go on vacation with people like you. Yeah. Oh, done. Yeah, as yeah. Long just as let me make all the decisions. In the planning, like oh, freedom totally. in space, right? Like I like to give choices, but yeah. like select one, and then <laughs> right, we're right. gonna go stay from on there. the microphone. Yeah. So I hired a contractor one time, okay, and I was like, "Hey, I need some remodeling done in the kitchen." He goes, "What do you want?" I said, "I don't know." You just tell me. He's like, "That's not how it works." No, He's hire like, you me have next to time. Tell me what kind of cabinet? I'm like, I don't know. You just decide. He's like. If I decide and it's wrong, you will yell at me. No, 100%. But I don't know how to decide. So I really just wanted someone like you who just said, Like, here's three color schemes. You pick the one you like the best. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't work that way. No. So I love that. I love that. (laughs) So that's not a stressful area for you. No, it's fun. Yes. Okay. So for those of you who it is, we're going to keep moving forward here. Okay. So when you live in the land of indecisiveness, in whatever category that is, home, purchasing, work, which is what we're really going to focus on a little bit today. I think the place, not I think, the place in which you need to begin is to first ask the question, why? Ask the question, why? Why am I afraid to make the decision? Mm. If you can get to the why, we can we can solve for this. Mm-hmm. So why are some reasons that you think people are afraid to make decisions? Well, one that comes to mind is you kind of mentioned options. And yeah, they're are a good set of personality types where um, the options paralyze. So I always, I always think about it visually as um, growing up, you know, the first time I'm getting a computer, it's like you've got Best Buy and you've got Apple. And I used to be more of an HP person. So I'm going to Best Buy and there's 25 different computers to choose from Mm -hmm. and the spec sheet. And I'm an engineer by trade. I, can actually read the spec sheet. Most people can't even read it. And I'm still going, what the heck are these things? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm paralyzed yeah. um, by option overload. Yeah. Fast forward years later when I kind of made the switch to Apple and I walk in the store and they said, here's the two you have to choose from. Tell me what you use it for mainly. Okay, you need this one. And I walk out of the store feeling great. Yeah. I got the right one. It was mm-hmm. easy. It was clean. And sometimes the, um, the options can paralyze, but the... I think the interesting piece of that is on the backside of the decision. It's the kind of buyer's remorse, yeah. the feeling of, but did I choose the wrong option? Right. So it's fear of the wrong choice. Did I make a mistake? Fear of the wrong choice. So fear in general. Or did I miss opportunities? Yeah, did I and some personalities don't ever think about no. that. They're but like, some I'm people, so glad I decided it doesn't matter about the missed opportunities. Right. But some people cannot get over the missed opportunity yeah. or the what ifs. Yeah. That's, that's one that's that comes a good to mind. One. What about Actually, you? when I read an article one time about this, that someone wrote analysis paralysis as a catchphrase mm. too, that they analyze things to death that it just 
freezes yeah. them too. So lots of theirs. Okay. Um, I've just, these are ones that I've heard from different clients too, is just perfectionism. Mm -hmm. So I can't decide because I need it to be perfect. So yep. therefore I'll decide nothing. And, and maybe uh, unless it could be a perfect decision, nothing's going to be decided. exactly. And this is an offshoot, but can be similar sometimes. Um, I need more data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, right. I, I don't have enough <laughs> like information endless. yet. Yeah. Another one is fear of just failure. Mm -hmm. So if I decide I might fail, but on the opposite side, I was recently coaching someone and I, he was saying, I'm struggling with indecisiveness. And I said, what are you afraid of? He said, he said, actually, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of the consequences of success. Yeah. That is an interesting uh, one. Yeah. It, it does happen more often than you think. Like, wow. Uh, another one that I heard the other day and that I struggle with is um, actually not fear of failure for myself, but fear of others' reactions. Like I'm afraid of how they're going to react. Mm -hmm. I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want them to feel bad or uncomfortable. And it's like the fear of, of how it affects the people around you. Yeah, And that can be a big one also from all kinds of dynamics you grew up with mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that, that getting kind of hardwired mm -hmm. into you. It's like, well, as soon as I make this decision, mm -hmm. somebody's not going to like me. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel like just first identifying the why helps moving forward? If you know what you're afraid of, how does that, how do you feel like that helps? Well, I think Naming. you nailed it with, uh, and of course as coaches, this is, this is kind of the root of what we do. It's like, if you don't know what the problem is, the root cause, you can't right. begin to solve it at all. So right. it's understanding, yeah, where is that coming from? So we can address that. Uh, that awareness is the first step. Right. And you know how I'm a big fan of the worst case scenario. Uh huh. So I'm like, so if it's not perfect, what happens? It's like, I'll coach someone and then what happens? And then, and if the worst thing that happens, you're fired, are you, what you're still loved by? Do you have a family that, yes. It's like, even if the worst thing, and they always make it so extreme. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, like the CEO came down the stairs specifically to your cubicle and said, you suck <laughs> and you're fired. Like yeah. that's sometimes the actual visual people have. And when you, when you, dismiss it. They're like, actually, right. The, the worst thing that might happen is maybe I missed something. And my boss said, these points were awesome. Next time when you're working on it, sh don't forget this one. Right. And you've just learned something for the next time. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. You know? That worst case scenario is such it a good helps. coaching yeah. kind of tool. And worst case scenarios do hurt a little sometimes, but they promote growth. They just, they just do. Well, and there's the element of the unknown is scary. Yeah. You know how in like in scary movies or horror films, I don't even, <laughs> I, I don't watch those anymore, but I do like some of the like scary movies from, uh, I don't know, years ago. Yeah. It, it's, when I they never show like them. <laughs> I don't like them at all. So you won't know what I'm talking about. No. When they show the villain too early, it ruins the whole thing. <laughs> but if the monster is kind of concealed and then the whole time, sometimes you never see like Blair Witch Project or something. You never see the bad guy. It makes it scarier. And so there also is some psychological stuff around if you um, if you go there and you address the worst case scenario and you actually like say it and look at it in the face. Yes. It reduces oh, the amount right. of scariness that You're comes right. along with it. Well, remember in Scooby-Doo, it was always a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Consistently, if you took the mask. See, off. you love horror films. 
He never. He didn't take off that mask until at the end. And, and then, you watched every time, though. But if if, you, if they would have just done that sooner, yeah, they would have just known. Yeah, there's that suspense. It was element. a person, I guess. But I really, I, I mean. I don't think I know that's a lot of what happens yes, when is. you're working with someone in that worst case scenario. Yes. Um, it's it's kind of looking at it instead of it being mm-hmm. this mysterious right. hidden undertone. So the first thing is ask the why. The next process to move forward and out of this place is what is your go-to? So what is your go-to? So for example, are what is your what's your default in decision making? So are you a person who just delays? Are you a person who, so I would just say my husband, he's not here so I can throw him under the bus. He's just a change your mind. Uh-huh. He will, he, his first decision is never his decision. Uh-huh. He, he really always is the three decisions. So his go-to is that he doesn't stick to the first one. So therefore, if I was coaching him, which I'm not going to, uh-huh. um, I would say try really hard to <clears throat> change your muscle memory around sticking to the first decision in the small things. Yeah. So that you can learn to to trust your instincts on the first decision you make. Are we going to talk more about that one? Yes. I okay, cuz we, we definitely need to <laughs> dive yeah. into that point. Yes. Yeah, some other ones that come to mind is um wanting to leave options open. Mm-hmm. Uh which is similar to that. Yep. Sometimes there's a there's a I default to ultra conservative or ultra risky mm-hmm. or somewhere on that spectrum. Right. Always going to make the most safe mm-hmm. bet or the most risky bet. Mm-hmm. Um, Another one I've heard is that people tell me my def- my my negative place is that I'm I'm not able to prioritize. So I see all work as equal therefore I don't make good decisions because I'm not able to say, well, this decision needs to be made first and then this one. I just see all these decisions e- equal. Yeah. So And then there's of course what I uh, pound into people in our membership is choosing the urge, always choosing the urgent over the significant. Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. plenty of books on this. You know, yeah. this is not a new idea, <laughs> but it's very easy in our notification driven mm-hmm. society to just do the urgent thing mm-hmm. instead of the more significant thing. There are two more. And one of them is that some people have told me honestly. Mm-hmm that they struggle with biased decision-making. Mm, yeah. That they just come into a room and they're not even, they're not even going to be open to what others are going to hear in that they know it though. And they're like, I can't seem to open up my mind to think I might be wrong. So they, the biased decision-making is their go-to. Yeah. So that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I was going to say, I really, I mean, similarly, I resonate with that. I think in my want to have a decision made it's very easy for me to just like jump the gun and Mm. make a decision in order to keep things moving along but Mm -hmm. it may not necessarily be the right decision or it may not be taking into account um other people's thoughts and opinions or like Mm. if it's like a work project Mm -hmm. their deadlines their creative process in order to get to that point so it is an interesting thing where like even if you are quick to make decisions mm-hmm. there are still a lot of things that can that's a really good call because it can be seen as a positive right to totally a quick decision maker you're like oh thank god for that but on yeah. the flip side it can have a little biased and it could dismiss some things that weren't fully thought through right like making making space for discernment yeah. and wisdom mm-hmm. feels important yeah there too good. and then the last one i thought of and so feel free to jump in if mm-hmm. you have another one is um that people aren't good at owning the decision. 
So, and there's some language on that one that I catch a lot of people on. And notice in my, in the very beginning of the podcast, I corrected my language uh-huh. for a reason because I said, I think, and then I said, let me start again yep. because I was going to be a horrible example to <laughs> what I coach so many people on is they say, I think, and that's how they make, they actually verbally will even say that to their teams. I think, well, that is not firm decision-making. Yeah. That is not firm decision-making. So so they're actually leaving room for people to say, oh, I don't think you think so <laughs> yeah. or she thinks so. So own your decision and even start to, so I have one client right now who says it so often. So if you've worked with me before, I sometimes will have people write a sticky note to an area of growth and his sticky note on his computer right now is stop saying, I think. Yeah. Or I feel it. like a yeah. lot of people, I, you're right, Come and on. that's actually becoming more infused in the workplace, mm-hmm. which is an even worse version of that. Mm-hmm. I've done both. I feel like I, I feel think, like I think <laughs> I feel like I think that I feel like, and uh, yeah, that's really that's a that's an interesting tool. Something I do a lot with people in coaching is, um, okay, what will you do? Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm kind of getting them to commit to themselves on something. Mm-hmm. Not what do you think you're going to do or what what are, what would you like to do next? It's mm-hmm. what will you do? Mm-hmm. Will you? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then have them say it out loud themselves because you know what happens there. As soon as they say it out loud, it becomes a much more firm commitment. Yeah. Um and that that is a that's one of those tools, tricks you can do with yourself in so many situations that completely shifts the mindset. No, what will you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you committed to it or not? Mm-hmm. There, you made me think of two. I give too many spectrums, don't I? Okay. <laughs> there's, I'm thinking of workplaces since you said, you know, there's so much of this plays out at work and you have maybe the more classic, like in a movie or old school top down type culture. Mm-hmm. And it's very control driven. And it's like the top person makes the decision no one gets to question it. And usually their error there is not collecting enough insight and information because there are people usually more on the ground floor who actually have more insight than they do or maybe just supporting information. Other end of the spectrum, consensus-driven cultures. This is where a lot of companies have arced in recent years. And it's it's all about no one's going to make the decision. We're just going to wait for it to somehow like... <laughs> arc and play out towards something. Mm-hmm. And that one's tricky because while you can easily see how there's no decision making, it's actually, it's not a type of decision making for them. It's zero decision making. Mm-hmm. There is no decision making present. But also, how do you fix that? Because no one is in control. No one has the ownership mm-hmm. to change that muscle memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a tricky one. But you know, it's a good one to be aware of if that's the situation you're in. Mm-hmm. So in that one, it just also reminds me that there really does need to be a final say person. Yeah. Even that, if it's a consensus driven culture, there right. still has to be a person that call says, it. yeah, <laughs> even if it's it. just a facilitator in the room yep, who's saying, right. this is what I'm seeing. So yeah. here's the decision. Yeah. Agree or disagree. <laughs> right. Vote. Democratic vote. vote. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But yes, yeah, somebody has yeah. to initiate mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. call. Yeah, it's true. Well, before we move into the five things, because people are like, she said she was going to give me five things to do to help. How many do we have right now? Have we done one (laughs) or 20? Those are just the whys, the what's, what's your base. Mm -hmm. But they're also just one more call out is that there's just three levels of decision making that I also just want to just just have you think about. And one of them is that there's there is long term decision making. There's just it's important to think 
How big is this decision? So that one's more strategic thinking, right? And then there's like medium and short term. Some people call that more technical decision making. And then there's just operational decision making, which is more today, day to day. So those are easier ones. So first of all, when you're making a decision, sometimes it's nice to think, what category am I in? Just organize your brain for a minute because it might, you know, a day-to-day one is an easier one, right? Uh And then the middle, and then obviously a strategic one you might want to (laughs) really not be so impulsive about, right? Yeah. So just calling out the three levels. Right. And and kind of stopping and thinking which bucket is it in. Yeah. Just literally call out the bucket. All right. So what do we do about it? If you fall into this place of, yes, I consistently keep getting dinged about being indecisive. I have five key things. Some of them we mentioned, but they're they're now very specific. Number one, we talked about, but it's now when we list them, I want you to name the fear. So you have to call it and label the emotion behind it so that you can address it. Talk about it with someone. So number one, what are you afraid of? What's the worst case scenario? That's step one. Number two is actually the one that I want you to spend the most time on, which is the operational place, which is start small. It's all about changing your muscle memory around small decision-making. So I want you to start with learning to make decisions in 30 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) And if you're like, what? (laughs) That feels impossible. Uh Here's your homework. Your homework is actually to make decisions at home like what are we having for dinner? Where are we eating out? And what fun things do we want to do on the weekend in 30 seconds? Now, you might want to let your partner in on this. (laughs) (laughs) That this is a, this is something. So start by, and even at work, make a list of the small day to day things that like, where am I going to put that on my calendar? What day am I going to make that meeting? Those are day to day. So make a list of them and to look at it and go boom and get that muscle going in the small things. It's just one of my favorite things. You were, you were doing this with someone the other day. Yeah. And, uh, I, <laughs> I just got so excited about it. Like, this is such a good, practice to kind of work that muscle. Yeah. And yeah, I would even set a t- stop, realize I'm about to make a small, t- set a timer <laughs> and, just be like, and then go and like really just focus on trying to name the thing and decide within 30 seconds. Right. It's like that. I haven't been to the gym in three years and I just need to start small with something. Yep. And and then it's like, you can build quickly from there actually, but it's got to Uh, it's got to start somewhere. Yeah. So when I was coaching someone on this, he was like, Oh my gosh, well, what if, what if I pick a restaurant and I'm like, okay, is this the only day you're going out to eat ever in your life? He's like, no, I was like, so even if you're like, it wasn't the perfect choice, I don't care. Whatever you decide, go, there'll be another night to pick another place. Mm -hmm. I just want you to own what you decide and move forward with it. Um, somebody actually, said to me, sometimes think thoughts like, will this matter in 10 years? Like sometimes when those quick decisions, it'll get you out of that spinning place. If you think, is where I'm going to eat tonight going to matter in 10 years? Stop. Right. Stop. You know. And when you just name it as an experiment, it can free you up sometimes to fail a little bit. So it's like, I'm a person who, yeah, I I hate missing out on the opportunity. So it's like, oh, if I made the wrong decision, I can't let go of that. Right. Hey, for this week, I'm going to make quick decisions. My goal is to work on that muscle. So I'm probably going to make some bad decisions. Mm And it's almost like I'm in this safe space now for this week to do that yeah, and let go crazy. of the results. Yeah, you can even <laughs> let your team know I'm working on a new muscle. Right. Or your upper manager and say, hey, 
I'm trying this out. I just want to let you know what's kind of going on in my head. Ooh, that's a great idea. And if mm-hmm. you told them and let them kind of, you know, at the end of a meeting, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, every time you all look at me and give me 30 seconds, I have to decide. Or <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. there's a cool dynamic there that is they will be very encouraged and empowered yep. by like not just seeing you work on that because they need to work on things themselves too, <laughs> yeah. but also... um by hearing the firm decision at the end, mm-hmm. when you're going to use the language like, this is what we decided. We right. will do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and not, I feel like or I think, or yeah. what do you think? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it will that vulnerability that people are longing for in the workplace, it will be an example of that to show them, yeah, even though I am your leader, <laughs> I'm always working on things too. So it gives permission to kind of work. I love that. All right, number three is... In the categories that you struggle with decision-making, make go-to lists. So take, for instance, back to those small things. Mm -hmm. If you can never, and this one helped me in my early days because I was not raised with a mom who really knew how to cook. So I came into my marriage not knowing how to cook. And I literally boiled a chicken one time and looked at it and thought, now what do I do? Like I boiled a chicken and just had no idea what to do that. Uh-huh. Jacqueline, you're probably laughing so hard because you just instinctively kind of know how to cook, right? So I used to feel a lot of stress around this. So one thing I a friend recommended that I brought this into my life was as I grew in confidence, she's like, make a list of all the things you know how to make so that you're not being the 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 one that you get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Every time I walked into the kitchen, I felt paralyzed by fear. I know how to cook nothing. So I started to make this list. And every time I'd go, oh, I know five things. Stop it. You know how to cook something. And actually, that's a whole other topic around confidence. I'm just saying, if you feel like you you know how to, what restaurants are your favorite? You know how sometimes you even forget, like, what are your favorite? Just yep. make a list. Yeah. Or um, uh, somebody recently said to me that they forget the fun things that they like to do. Make a list of all the fun things you like to do locally so that there's a go-to list. So yeah. at work, if there are certain categories, make lists so that you have some reference points so that you're not continually creating What's the saying? Reinventing the wheel is there. The, the boiled the, chicken. The boiled yeah, chicken. It's about yeah. It's reinventing. I have the chicken. I have endless lists in my work for this you reason. You do. I don't think you can ever outgrow that mm-hmm. tool. <laughs> I mean, I've worked with senior level leaders on creating a checklist mm-hmm. or a go to mm-hmm. list for decisions. It's just. Yeah, it's such a good tool. I really learned to lean into this more at work from you. Podcast ideas. So I get epiphanies from coaching sessions. So now I have a running list of podcast ideas. And so now when I'm assigned, hey, do a, it's never like, I'm like, (laughs) I have a whole bunch of ideas. Just look at your list. Yeah. And it even ties to some of the other points you've made, like Mm -hmm. the three buckets, three levels Mm -hmm. of decisions. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to a very senior leader yesterday in a huge organization said, okay, I have this new leadership team, like the direct reports under me. And they were all used to being kind of middle layer people where their biggest decision points were today or six months out. Mm -hmm. Now I need them to look three, five years out. Mm. That's their job. But they're still looking in the day to day and trying to solve problems right now. Right. And it's a whole new must. It's moving up to that next bucket. So part of the task was to just make a list where to your point is is it a sticky note on your laptop or what but make a list where you can actually check it off or decide each time what I'm talking about 
which category is it in? Absolutely. <laughs> because you good. can't depend on your brain to hold all no. of these things. No. It's like you just no. look at the tool and you don't have to worry about no. forgetting how to do this. Mm-mm. Perfect. All right. Number four. Uh, this one's very important for me. It's create a timeline. So put pressure on yourself. It's just like I'm the boss of me. <laughs> Give myself my own timeline to make the decision. So there's two processes to that. One is say, Sunday, you need to make this decision. So this is past the 30-second decision. These are more of the bigger decisions. Uh-huh. Uh, by Friday at 2 o'clock. So on my calendar, I'm going to write, make decision on about this, where you're traveling, whatever, by Friday at 2 o'clock. So it, it sits on my calendar staring at me. But then I also take one step further, which is I create think space on my calendar before Friday to maybe do research or think on it. So in other words, it's not just floating around in my head somewhere. So now I create a space that says uh, decision coming up, space to think. So I might place an hour on my calendar, space to think. It's so cool. I just love how you actually live out and practice the things that you teach and coach on. Mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> you know, there's a lot of get people. nothing done. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's really cool. Something I do because I, I will often ignore my own prompts is uh, schedule time with someone with somebody else where I'm going to have to kind of report that thing out or, or share that thing. Yep. Or I've done it with clients. Like the other day, someone had to make a decision. I just knew this person was going to procrastinate mm-hmm. it probably five weeks longer than mm-hmm. needed. So I set a, a meeting just because that's going to be enough pressure for you, for that person, oh, for that person, because yeah, they know absolutely. they got to come yeah. to that meeting with something. So they'll yeah. probably do it right before that meeting. <laughs> that's, but that's, at least, you know, yeah, they're putting themselves on the hook. Or, it's why sometimes people work with coaches, too, because they know that we're going to ask them to do something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's about that. But in your decision making timeline on your calendar. And then the last one feels very vague, but it is a, it's a mindset. But number five is just that you have to begin to trust yourself. You just have to, you just have to trust you. Like no one else is going to trust you if you don't trust yourself. So start with what are you afraid of? And then what's your go-to? Put them in one of the three levels. Is it big picture, medium, short term? And then maybe start with one, two, three, or four or five, or maybe you've already got one of these down, just start with one of them and see if you can change that muscle memory in the way that you make decisions. Okay. If you have a team, if you're a leader of people Mm -hmm. or you have people on your team who are leaders of people, this decision-making thing could be huge because a lot of people every day are stuck in their jobs and not doing their best because they're stuck on little decisions. <laughs> and usually it's very easy to get them unstuck, but that's where you kind of need that coach to work through it with you. Mm-hmm. So if this is a topic that resonates, we actually have a track in our membership now for coaching people leaders. And it's these types of things. It's it's leadership development and it's personal and professional growth as, as a whole, but it's things like decision-making that are actually where the breakthroughs happen for them. Yes, and I'm going to call it right there that when people come into my office and they say, my manager told me I have to grow in decision-making, that the only thing the manager said was, hey, you got to grow in decision-making. <laughs> yes. And they have no idea tactically where to begin. And that is where we come in, is we give them tactical steps on how to actually implement this in the workplace. Boom. Exactly. Because why would you want coaching? Why would you need coaching? Well, as the manager, you don't have the know-how maybe, but you also don't have the time with each Mm -hmm. person to work through that situation. So of course you say, get better at Mm decision-making. Well, guess what? They want to, but they don't, they don't know where to start either. Mm -hmm. So you're right. 
this is a great place. And maybe there's other topics related to engagement and retention right now, leadership development in other areas uh, that your people want to grow and that you want them to grow. But I think decision making is is actually a really important one. If you're interested in this, you can check out greenhouseculture.co slash teams. And we offer a really cost-effective way in our membership to offer coaching to the people leaders on your team.